We read as our scripture reading John 16, verses 1 through 24, and we'll return there. But do you want to read Matthew chapter 28 and verses 16 through 20? But the eleven disciples went into Galilee unto the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and spake unto them, saying, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Only a short time after giving to his disciples this commission, the commission that is the commission of the churches of Jesus Christ down through the ages, only a short while after this, our Lord Jesus left his disciples. Just as he had promised on previous occasions, even as we've read from John chapter 14 a couple weeks ago and John chapter 16 this week, Jesus said, I go. I will depart from you. And by this he meant his bodily ascension. By this he meant what his churches have believed And what the scriptures teach, that Jesus Christ, after 40 days with his disciples following his resurrection, ascended into heaven. That is, he passed through the visible heavens into that place of incomprehensible and indescribable glory and there sat down at the right hand of the Father. And even Luke in the book of Acts attests to this fact and this history that the disciples gathered there watched as Jesus ascended And were even asked by angels, why do you continue to look for him? Jesus ascended. The same Jesus that promises his disciples, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, is the same Jesus that told his disciples, Earlier in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 11, 
that they would have the poor always with them. But me, ye have not always. Is this a contradiction? You will not have me with you always, and I am with you always. Was Christ of a double mind? That is, was he confused? Did he speak falsely? No, those are blasphemous thoughts not in accord with the scriptures. The contradiction, the problem, is only apparent. The problem is not with the words and the teachings of Holy Scripture and the promises of Jesus Christ. The problem is, we might say, with our own inability to understand Jesus. With our frailty of mind with our fallen thinking. All of Jesus' promises are truth and true. When Jesus says, I won't always be with you, and when Jesus says, I am with you always, he speaks the undivided truth. Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. And Jesus Christ is present with his churches to the end of the age. And the key to understanding this, the key that Scripture gives to us and that has been understood and summarized by those much wiser than us in the history of the church key to understanding this is the truth regarding the person of Jesus Christ. Who speaks these promises guarantees that these promises are true. That Jesus Christ, yes, ascended into heaven, and that Jesus Christ is never absent from his churches. That he is always present with us, even until that day when he will come again. Jesus is present. Just as Jesus ascended, Jesus is present with his churches. Because Jesus is one person... But he is a two-natured one person, we might say. Jesus is true God and true man. The Son of God took to himself and united to himself a true human nature. A human nature capable of dying, though he is God, could not and did not die. A human nature capable of being buried, though he as God was not capable and did not or was not buried. A human nature 
that rose again from the dead. Even though he, as true God, was always, as it were, the living God. A human nature capable of ascending from one place to another place, even though he as true God is always present in every place, though never confined to place. The key to understanding the ascension of Christ in relation to the promise of Christ is, in fact, the person of Christ. And he's one person who, though we can speak of a nature capable of omnipresence and a nature capable of limited or spatial presence, is nevertheless not a confused person or a separated person. That is, we never for once want to imply that Jesus is two persons. He is one. The same Jesus that ascended to heaven is the same Jesus that is always present with his churches to the end of the age. And this is the teaching of Scripture as it is summarized by an Orthodox catechism. Having asked and answered something of the nature of the ascension of Jesus Christ, question 46 asks and answered, Is not Christ with us then until the end of the world as he has promised? Christ is true God and true man. And so according to his manhood is not now on earth, but according to his Godhead, his majesty, his grace and spirit is at no time apart from us. And then question 47 wrestles with a potential objection to this answer concerning the union of the two natures. And we want to give our attention to these matters this morning because if for no other reason we believe what the scriptures teach, that this one Jesus, this same Jesus who ascended into heaven is true to his word, true to his promise that he is with us. Yes, with all of his churches, with all of his people, even to the end of the age. And that means that he is, yes, also with us. Jesus is not an absentee savior, but Jesus is present with us. Two things we want to observe this morning concerning the ascension and its relation to the person, to the presence of Jesus Christ. First of all, Christ's unending presence. Christ's enduring 
presence. Jesus says to his disciples, shortly before his ascension, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. This always is not a circumscribed always. It's not an always with an asterisk, but it's a true and real always. But how? Again, if we think of John chapter 16, which we read, Jesus said, I am going away. He says explicitly and clearly, I tell you the truth, verse 7, it is expedient for you that I go away. Prior to that, he tells them that he's returning to the one who sent him. How is then Jesus with us? In fact, Jesus in this very context gives us that answer. And in this context, taken in its broader context of our Lord's teaching in the upper room, gives us the answer to understand Christ's enduring presence even in light of his ascension. Christ, notice in this relation, first of all, never speaks of himself as a divided person or as two persons. It's something we probably gloss over quite a bit that we assume. But notice that all throughout John 16, just as even in Matthew 28, Jesus says, I, lo, I am with you. These things have I spoken unto you, John 16 and verse 1. Verse 4, these things have I spoken unto you. Unto you. These things I said unto you. But now, verse 5, I go unto him that sent me. I go. Jesus is not one. Or Jesus is not two subjects. He is one single subject. And yet he is true God and true man. One person, two natures. And everything that this single subject does, everything that this one I does, if you will, he does it. 
and he does all that he does according to that nature capable of those particular acts. That might sound confusing, but think of some of the things that Jesus says about himself. Jesus is standing with his disciples and he's standing among those who would deny him and says, before Abraham was, I am. So the incarnate Christ, the incarnate Son of God, the very one who took to himself our nature, is standing there, true body, true soul, standing there speaking these human words with a human tongue, human vocal cords. He's true man. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, did that mean that Jesus existed as true man prior to Abraham? No. Precisely because earlier in the Gospel of John, John himself says the word became flesh. So what does Jesus mean? He means I, the one person, I existed, indeed eternally as true God, prior to Abraham, according to my deity, according to my divinity. And so when Jesus says, I go away, Yes, this one Jesus, the same Jesus who existed as true God from all eternity, says, I go away. But he goes away according to that nature which is capable of going away. Just as he existed eternally according to that nature which can exist eternally, that is, as true God. So he goes away. He ascends According to that nature, which is capable of moving from place to place. So the Catechism says Christ is true God and true man. And so, according to his manhood, is not now on earth. Yes, Jesus ascended. And is not on earth according to his manhood. But according to his Godhead. He is at no time apart from us. Christ's presence then. Is not to be understood as partial presence and partial absence. But Christ's presence with us even in light of the ascension, is to be understood that the same Jesus 
who ascended is the same Jesus who is according to his deity, according to his Godhead, his godness, divinity, is present with us. Present as he has always been present with us. Jesus died. But yet lived. Jesus was buried, yet lived. Jesus rose again from the dead, yet always lived. Jesus ascended, and yet is always present. Precisely because he is true God, who cannot not be present. with respect to the world which he, as God, made. Jesus is then omnipresent, not according to his humanity, but according to his deity. He is present also the Catechism says, according to his majesty, his grace, and his spirit. We might say that in addition to understanding Christ's presence as his omnipresence, as true God, we need to also understand what we might call Jesus' special presence and his spiritual presence as he is the only mediator between God and men. Again, understanding the issue of Christ's enduring presence, understanding this truth in light of the ascension requires understanding all that the scriptures teach regarding the person and work of Jesus. And even Jesus in this context gives us, a context of John 16, gives us an indication of how we are to understand his presence. Yes, personally Jesus is present in virtue of his divine omnipresence. But Jesus is also present, again, in a special manner, and spiritual manner. That is, the Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is sent from the Father and from the Son. Christ's presence, again, is His personal presence by virtue of His omnipresence, but also his special spiritual presence. Howbeit, or excuse me, if we go back to John 16 and verse 7, Jesus summarizes things that he has said in chapter 14, 15, and prior to this, even in 16. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And the Spirit, verse 13, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all the truth. For he shall not speak from himself, but what things soever he shall hear, these shall he speak, and he shall declare unto you the things that are to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall declare it unto you. What we have here is Jesus speaking of the mission of the Spirit. The mission of the Spirit as one who is sent by the Father and the Son as the one who will glorify Christ and declare Christ to the disciples and through the disciples unto the world. Indeed, this is the promise of the mission of the Spirit as it pertains to the establishment and the edification of the church, the building and what we might call the beautification of the church. The Father and the Son send the Spirit into the world to give sinners Christ and to give those or to gather those sinners together as the company of saints in the church. Jesus' special spiritual presence then is a matter of his sending the Spirit. But notice, and this is the key, there's a lot that we could say about the mission of the Spirit in relation to Christ and in relation to the church, but this is key. That the Spirit does not have an independent mission. His mission relates entirely to Jesus Christ. His mission is to glorify Christ. And as such, being sent from the Father and the Son into the world. Sent from the Father and to the Son, or and the Son into the world. After Jesus' ascension, his mission is, we might say, to make Christ present to his children and his churches.
And what he does in making Christ present to his children and his churches is to take of Christ the things that are Christ's, the things that Christ says are the Father's. There is no breaking up or dividing of the Trinity in the work of the Spirit. His mission is to make Christ known, to glorify Christ, to make Christ not bodily present, but to make Christ and His graces to make Christ and the benefits of His mediation, the benefits that He dispenses as the ascended Christ, as the seated Christ, to make those things, to give those things to sinners who need that grace. To speak then of Christ's presence as special and spiritual, is to say that through the Spirit, Christ is present by the Spirit, by His presence and His working. Christ is present in all of His graces, in all of the glory of His work, as the Savior, as the Mediator, as the one who lived and died and was buried and rose again, ascended on high and seated at the right hand, to make all of His work, to give it to us. And to build a company of saints that all have the same Christ, the one Christ in common. The Spirit brings Christ to us so as to bring us, as it were, to Christ. This is how Jesus is present. He is present personally, truly, according to His deity, by, just in terms of the fact that He, as is the Father and as is the Spirit, is omnipresent. but particularly, specially, in relation to His elect, in relation to those for whom Christ died, in relation to sinners who are saved by grace. There is no time that He is apart from us because He sent His Spirit. And the Spirit glorifies Christ by bringing sinners to Christ. And bringing sinners into a company of people who are together, bound together under the name of Jesus Christ. According to his Godhead and his majesty, he is present. But also according to his grace and his spirit. The very same Spirit that lighted upon Christ according to His humanity in His baptism. The same Spirit whom anointed Jesus 
above measure at His baptism is the same Spirit who is sent forth into our hearts to give us Christ and the fullness of His grace. But doesn't this separate? Doesn't all of this separate the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ? How can we speak of Him as omnipresent and yet present in the churches, present to His people only by His grace and by His Spirit. Question 47 of the Catechism. Are not by this means the two natures in Christ pulled apart? If His humanity be not wherever His divinity is? The answer to this question speaks than of the person of Christ. And so, in addition to understanding, first of all, what we've seen regarding Christ's enduring and unending presence, a personal presence according to His deity, a spiritual, or excuse me, a special and spiritual presence as mediator by way of the Spirit, we need to notice, secondly, something about Christ's person, his singular person. And we've already done so to some extent by emphasizing that Christ is a single subject, that is, he is one, but he is also true God and true man. The question 47 of the Catechism reminds us that this one, This one Christ, who is true God and true man, the reality of his deity and his humanity need to be understood carefully. The truth of his person needs to be understood carefully. We do not, again, want to suggest that the two natures are ripped apart, as it were. That he is, in fact, two persons. This was the error of Nestorius in the early church. At the same time, we cannot confuse the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ. They do not, as it were, meld or blend into each other. And the catechism in particular here has in view the teaching of the Lutherans who suggest that because Jesus Christ, because the eternal Son became incarnate and united to himself a true human nature and because the two natures cannot be divided or separated, That what is true of his deity, now because of the union of the two natures, becomes true of the humanity. 
that because of the union of the two natures, Jesus is omnipresent according even to his humanity. Hence, why when it comes to the Lord's Supper, the Lutherans will argue that Christ is present even according to his flesh in some manner. But the Reformed, and here an Orthodox catechism, takes this position against that Lutheran teaching. And against that Lutheran teaching, even in virtue of who this person of Jesus is. His divinity, that is, as true God, Jesus Christ is incomprehensible and everywhere present. Where can I go to flee from your spirit? David says to his God, and this is true of Jesus, true of the Son. Jesus is present everywhere according to his divinity. But it follows necessarily that the same is without the bounds of his human nature, which he took to himself. All of this is to say is that the humanity of Jesus is not converted into his deity. It does not take on the properties that only God himself may have. But also that Jesus' humanity does not confine our Lord's deity. Deity, that is, his divinity, cannot be comprehended and cannot but be everywhere present. And so his deity is not confined to his humanity. His deity is not swallowed up by humanity nor is humanity to be confused with deity. The union of the two natures in Jesus Christ, the union of the two natures in the one person, means that the one person is present with his church in a way that is appropriate to who he is. And also that he ascended. This one person ascended in a manner that is appropriate to his person. And it seems to me that there's not much more we can say. There are all sorts of errors that we can avoid in speaking of the person of Christ. But precisely because the reality of the second person of the Holy Trinity, precisely because the person of the Son takes to himself and unites to himself a true human nature, precisely because that reality itself 
cannot be fully comprehended by us. At the end of the day, the best we can do is say what we cannot say. (laughs) And simply say that Jesus, our Savior and our Mediator, ascended into heaven for us. According to his humanity. And that Jesus, this same Savior, this same Mediator... The head of the church. He is always present with us. According to his deity. And by the working of his spirit. Who brings his graces to us. Augustine. Who is quoted by a number of reformed thinkers. speaks well of how we should approach these issues. He says, That which Christ says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, is fulfilled according to His majesty, providence, and unspeakable grace. But with respect to the human nature which the Word assumed, according to which he was born of the Virgin Mary, apprehended by the Jews, nailed to the cross, taken down from the cross, wrapped in linen cloth, buried in the sepulcher, and which was seen after his resurrection, with respect to this his humanity, ye shall not always have him with you. And why? Because when he had conversed with his disciples for the space of 40 days, being bodily present with them, and when they had accompanied him to see, not to follow him, he ascended into heaven and is no longer here. For he is now in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, and is here as to the presence of his majesty, which has not departed from us. Or it may be thus expressed. Christ is always present with us with respect to his majesty, but as it regards the presence of his humanity, it was truly said to his disciples, me ye have not always with you. The church enjoyed Christ only a few days as it respects the presence of his humanity. Now it apprehends him only by faith and does not see him with the natural eye. And we apprehend him by faith by the working of the Spirit who creates faith in us and brings us to Christ and gives to us all of the graces of Christ enables us to know the majesty of Jesus Christ as our mediator, as the one who came from heaven for us, as the one who is the only begotten Son of God who was, yes, conceived by the Holy Spirit born 
of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, buried, who descended into hell, who on the third day rose again, and who ascended into heaven. The Spirit sent from heaven by Christ gives us Christ and heaven. And so while these things may be difficult to understand, let us never forget that Jesus' promises are true. He ascended to heaven for us. And he is present always with us. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. No, he will even come again for us. All of these things are true. And they are true because they are the words of our Savior. Let us then remember that the one mediator, true God and true man, is present with us. His presence is not a facade, but it is true and by the Spirit a fruitful presence. Fruitful even unto our salvation. Brethren, Christ is near. Christ is near to you, near to me, present because his spirit dwells in you. And if you are outside of Christ, if you do not yet believe upon him today, he is not far off. How can I say that? Because he is present here by his spirit, by his word. And he is announced. He himself, by his word and spirit, announces that he is the savior of sinners. And he himself bids you to come to him. He himself bids you to come and to rest in him, to believe upon him. And if you do, it is because the Spirit has brought you to Christ and brought Christ, though He is seated in heaven, has brought Christ and all of his graces to you. Let's pray.